five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the Wisconsin DMA and the International Society for Strategic Marketing. Well, I thought I'd kick it off with Burger King, and uh, that's a lot of fun. So we'll get over here to this thing, and I think it's just music. With so I'll have to read it to you. Joe oh. wonders if this is working from home or living at work. Living at work. Emma has discovered that she likes dating Mark's profile more than she likes dating Mark. Esteban, he took an online violin masterclass, but he's not anywhere near becoming a master. Dustin bought a book on climate change, but it's shipped from England by plane wrapped in plastic. Now he's confused. But isn't everyone bumping elbows? Said he sneezes into his elbow, but isn't everyone bopping elbows? These are confusing times. Confusing which is just times. about the right time to have the Burger King Impossible Whopper. A Whopper made without beef that tastes just like a Whopper. Okay, so that was a lot of fun. I skipped the middle. It just goes on and on and on. I like the part about sneezing into his elbow and then thinking that everyone's bumping elbows. Uh, Burger King, you know, I give them credit. Uh, their their burgers are okay, you know, but uh, their ads are are fun to watch. So sort of like Geico. I don't use Geico. Uh, some of my family members have had run-ins with Geico, and you don't want to you don't want to hit a Geico insure insure insured or whatever because they won't pay. <laughs> they don't pay claims, but they have low rates. <laughs> so if that's what you're looking for in insurance. <laughs> they're good for that <clears throat> okay so let's get over to the real news um i have to hit a button here tv tv viewing time in first quarter down nine percent more declines expected because we're getting out into the sunshine thank heaven okay and uh so it goes on and on and on and on about this and that but i thought this was interesting right down here this is probably the best part um Due to a lack of maintenance in Nielsen panel homes, there's been a severe undercoating of viewers since the pandemic began. That's what the industry, VAB, the industry's advertising trade groups, has been complaining. <laughs> because broadcast went down while cable went up. And, like, does that make any sense? Uh, sure, I suppose. But, you know, like my son-in-law, he had cable. He still has cable. But... We went up there and the Packers and the Vikings were playing. And I said, why can't we watch the game? He said, I don't have local TV. I said, yes, you do. All you have to do is plug an antenna into the back of that wall-sized TV. He said, really? I said, yeah, let's go to the hardware store. We'll get an antenna. It was like $10. Wow, look at that. I got all these new channels. Yeah, and for free almost. Anyway, uh, so, you know, those wouldn't get counted, those viewers. Those new viewers where the old guy teaches the young guy how to watch local TV. Anyway, we'll go on. Okay, here's an, what, you know, a couple of interesting things about this article from Ashley Jorgensen. One is that it's in Forbes. You know, I like that Forbes writes or invites authors to write about direct mail. Um, and the other is that, I guess that's the main thing. Let's go on. <laughs> okay, so she starts with the typical question, like I do, is direct marketing dead? Which reminds me, 
Direct mail is not dead. Not only that, but I don't know that we should take a page from digital so likely because digital is probably more dead than mail in the sense of being effective. Now, in the sense of sucking up all the budget, oh, D-mail, I mean, uh, digital is way more effective. Digital's effectiveness is largely in sucking out the money from advertising. As we talked about yesterday, great article by Tom Fishburne about how basically half the digital money doesn't have anything to do with advertising. It just has to do with all this special shiny object targeting and other things that may not even be going to humans. Likely not, because it's more than 50% of the money is going to other things. And, uh, you know, at least with mail, you know it's getting delivered. You know it's getting to an to a decision maker because in our house of six people, you know, back when we had everybody living there, uh, only one person really threw out the mail. So direct mail goes to a decision maker, goes to a house, you know it's delivered, and uh, the decision maker has to engage with it. You have to look at it. You have to throw it away. You can pile it up for the pandemic, but sooner or later you have to go through it. And unless, of course, you have informed delivery where you can scan it and realize that there's nothing important and throw the whole pile in the trash without any second thoughts. I'm not a fan of informed delivery for you USPS people. I would never mention it if you were selling mail. I would mention goes to the household. You know it gets delivered. You know it goes to a decision maker. 100% engagement compared to digital. And it builds, therefore, a label data set where we know somebody saw it. And of the people who saw it, we know who bought and who didn't. That that opens up the real data analysis capabilities. So we'll be talking about that, the fraud of digital, the benefits of mail, in the webinar on Thursday. It's $20 for non-members of WDMA. Go to WDMA.org and, and you can sign up. Uh, and I think it's going to be powerful if you're selling mail, either USPS or uh, print or other mail services or a direct marketing agency, I think you'll get ammunition that you need to get mailers to mail more, maybe to do prospecting, and to get non-mailers to, to start a mail division and suck some of that money back from digital that's being wasted. Okay, so enough of the commercial. Is direct marketing dead? No. Direct data-driven approaches have transformed direct mail. I would contend... Um, or almost argue that we've gone backwards, that like digital, we measure everything, but we test almost nothing, which will be another component. We want to talk testing. And the data is not self-revealing. Unless you set up a mailing with a, an hypothesis of what you want to test, what you want to learn, what you want to find out, uh, you, don't, you, don't, you don't understand the benefits of mail. And this, I didn't see testing mentioned once in this article. Uh, which is another problem with the, the 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 blossoming of direct mail articles is great. You know, when I first started this channel, I couldn't find articles on direct mail. Now I find them every day uh, that I hadn't seen. This is a new one today. And the problem is, is that they aren't very good. They aren't very complete. And Ashley, happy to have you on the show. I know you can only write so many words. That's a real problem in print. Uh, I can talk faster than I can write. <laughs> so I have an advantage when I critique these. Okay, so how should marketers change? The question is, should they change? You may want to visit 
scientificadvertising.com and get a copy of Claude Hopkins' book free, uh, or you can get the audio book for $10, which is what I did. We need to use direct marketing strategically. Now, that is absolutely true. And direct marketing, maybe she's seen enough of these shows that she thinks direct marketing equals testing, although not many people do. <laughs> Most people think the bad definition, which is generating a measurable response. Measurable, not measured, not tested. Okay, so direct marketing is a, is a strategic a strategic element in marketing. Direct mail is a tactic. Email is a tactic, okay? She wants strategy over tactics, okay? Strategy, you have to get a, you have to step back and say, what are we trying to do? Strategy is your marketing program's why. I agree with that 100%, okay? But planning how direct mail will help you achieve your business marketing objectives is still tactics. Mail is just a tactic, unless you're doing the testing, unless you have an iterative program of, of continuous improvement in the testing, in which case you have direct marketing. It's the old school guys that knew that. That's why the definition is so bad. I used to have coffee at Bob, jo Bob Stone's house, and I said, how could you leave that out? He said, you're so right, John. We just couldn't imagine that people could test and wouldn't. <laughs> they could measure and didn't and could measure but didn't test. We, we were so steeped in it. Okay, so then use what we know to make to guide our decisions. Mm, you don't know much if you're not testing. Propensity models, this is good. You know, you, you figure out which customers, you know, buy on both channels. You know, it's surprisingly rare, though, that you actually see. Now, nowadays, almost everybody who buys anywhere goes to the website, whether they are going to buy there or not, or whether they they were triggered by mail or the, by the retail store or by driving around or by hearing from a friend that this is a good company. No matter what they do, the website can take care of it and take credit. That's the reason why attribution models are so, are so twisted. Okay, but um, who is a potential customer for brick and mortar? Well, you don't need a lot of modeling for that. You know who it is? People who live close to the store. <laughs> I was just going over a, a, a retailer with about 80 stores about, <laughs> you know, we did this analysis. They were so enamored with their website that they were convinced that now nobody had to go to the store. They didn't have to open any new stores and that people would just buy off the website. And it was furniture. You know, you want to jump up and down on the furniture. And I'm not saying you can't sell furniture on online. Um, IBM found that they could they couldn't sell a first computer very well through the mail, but they could sell a second on the phone and the mail. So uh, with furniture, you know, like Williams-Sonoma, if you get one, you try it out with something small, and then you say, gee, this is good stuff. Uh, you might buy a lot more. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on that concept. But what we found when we analyzed the, uh, the web purchases was that they were predominantly within just a couple miles of the store. I mean, vast, 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 not just the majority, but like 90%. It was within 10 miles or something. I don't remember the numbers. So <laughs> it's not confidential information if I can't even remember what it is. But I know that it was it was shocking. Okay. Um, another one. A customer no longer responds in one channel like email. Like, yeah. Might prefer a strategically designed postal mailing. Strategically. Again, probably not 
I don't know how strategy fits that. Embrace data. Mm, data, you know, if you want to hear about data, you might want to. Somebody actually did buy a couple of these this last week. Spinning straw into gold, the magic of making data into money. It's not so easy as you think. Data is not self-revealing. Data takes a lot, a lot of work. Data is straw, and that's not going to make you money. So anyway, data can also help you send more relevant messages. Again, very difficult. Very, very difficult. I'm doing, I'm actually sending personal letters out a couple a week to friends and prospects and clients. And it's very difficult to say things, even on with people that you genuinely know, that you've talked to recently. It's still very difficult to know what to say. It just is. Because you're not in their, their heads, you're not in their lives. <laughs> I think it's so funny that, that people think that data will somehow guide you into these personal messages. Um, but, you know, the author, Ashley, I think was her name, recently browsed a customized lawn care uh, site and received a personalized mailer. In what sense? We know you visited your site. We know you have a lawn. Or someone you know does. You know, I think I think it's almost always the the, the challenge is create relevant, meaningful, attention-getting messages. I don't think those I think those are almost mutually exclusive. <laughs> Unless you can say this letter is all about you. <laughs> you know, but mostly the relevant and meaningful is a good deal or something I didn't know about and probably didn't know I needed. And attention getting also is a good offer, you know, but personalization can get in the way of all that. In fact, in B2B years ago, we found that putting a person's name on it often got it misdirected to the person who no longer was was making decisions in that category because <laughs> we called them up like like she says, change channels. We would call up and say, hey, you know, you ordered from us four years ago. Why aren't you ordering anymore? And they'd say, oh, I don't do that anymore. You know, I got a different job. That was just like the company picnic. I was in charge of it one year. And now so-and-so is in charge of it. Oh, thanks a lot. But if you put company picnic <laughs> manager or something, you might get it to the right person. The mailroom might figure it out. So it's, 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 uh, and, you know, there, there just aren't a lot of, um, they, there aren't a lot of, there aren't a lot of ways to make that, that work. It's much more difficult than you think. So, so Ashley, thank you for the article. Forbes, thank you for putting mail in the forefront where it belongs. Um, but I highly encourage you. Uh, Carl wrote me before the show and asked a, a specific question, which I, I really welcome. Um, that's the way to get good information. Find somebody who's done it a lot of times, made a lot of mistakes, and see what they have to say. I'm John Miglosh. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.